0: Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So right away, anyone that reads this has got a decision to make. That decision is, do you believe this book? Do you believe that there was a designer who created everything that we see and everything that we don't see. In fact, uh, I think some of the probably more intelligent scientists who now have all these Hubble telescopes and all that has this to say, that we have never seen more than 0.9999% of all that God's created. That's all we've ever seen. Because all this other stuff there in the heavens. Uh, I've never been up there. I don't know whether y'all have or not. But uh, that's all we've seen. And we've got plenty to see down here. But it's just a small percent of what God has actually created. I know myself and uh, I cannot remember when I didn't believe that the Creator created all that we, we can see and all that we didn't see. Of course, you know, when you get to going to school and you're getting about, it, it, when I, my sisters and I went to Armrail, uh, about the seventh grade, I think, we really got into science and all that kind of stuff. Then we heard another version of how this all got here. It was called, what? The Big Bang. The Big Bang. The Big Bang. And that that Big Bang Theory is it's strictly a theory. It's never been made a fact because in the first place wasn't anybody back alive back then that could, could tell us all this, how God did all this. But anyway, that, that theory was like uh, after some fourteen billion years uh, mankind had e- had evolved from this little amoeba. And you know how it makes, makes all that little journey there. It took about 14 billion years. And then next thing you know, you've got this guy coming down uh, Manhattan in this Armani suit and Bruno Mali shoes, and he's got this briefcase. Walla, we've got the human race. But one thing about I noticed at Armell there was always this little snot-nosed kid who would say, well, where did that Big Bang come from? And co- nobody knew. Nobody knew. So the point is, it, it, it didn't come from that. And, and though it's sometimes people will say, well, you can't prove there's a God. And my response to that usually is, well, you can't prove there's not. But there is a lot of proof that there is a designer. And I just want to talk about that a little bit tonight. In this first chapter of Genesis, it says the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved from the face of the waters. Now, that it wasn't as chaotic as some people think. It was just newly created, and it's not inhabited. And God is going to do that in these next few verses. And um, it's, it's going to show everything that we see. We can see that God intended for this earth to be inhabited. He says so in the Scripture. God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good, and God called the light day. And then it goes on in verse 6. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters. So we have waters up there and waters underneath, waters in the sea. But in between these waters is this expanse that we call the heavens. And we people can get in an airplane and fly up there through that particular thing. That's about, they can go so far, they can get up in the stratosphere, and that's about as far as they can get. But, so God calls that part permanent. And then in verse 9, he says, Let the waters be gathered together, and the dry land appears. Uh, God calls the dry land earth. And on and on and on, you can go through this, <coughs> excuse me, this whole first chapter of Genesis. And what you notice is it keeps saying, And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And God said and the point being that this was a continuous creation god didn't start it and stop it and start it and stop it six days he had everything in this earth that the human race would ever need some of it we haven't even seen yet every now and then you hear about the archaeologists uh, in certain places and they'll they'll be digging up things and they'll find something oh we can use this to do this, that, and the other—it's been there from the beginning. Been there from the beginning. So there's everything we would ever possibly need is in the earth, and God made it that way. But the thing about it is, uh, God is concerned foremost with function. We, as human beings, we—we're we're into form. We like to see how something looks and how pretty it is, and and all that kind of stuff, but what if it couldn't function? It wouldn't be worth a thing, would it? So everything God creates is going to function on behalf of the human race. So um, start with um first four chapters. The reason I, I, I make a big deal out of that is because if you can become a real expert on the first four chapters of Genesis, that's the whole foundation of the whole scripture. I'm not saying you shouldn't read the rest of the Bible, but sometimes I think when we're probably telling, giving our kids a Bible or starting them out reading, we, we tend to get them over in the Psalms or whatever. I suggest that you start on first chapter of Genesis. And let them know what the foundation for all the rest of the Bible is. Because here you're going to find the pattern for all human behavior. The original sin is in these first four chapters. The exile from the garden is in these first four chapters. A redeemer to restore relationship between God and man is in these first four chapters. Consequences for disobedience is in these first four chapters. There's only two paths which man... We'll choose to travel. So in a sense, you could, you might want to, na- uh, just. I just did this for myself when it, when it comes to naming these first four chapters. As a lesson, it's a tale of two trees. Who knows what those two trees are? Oh, come on. Tree of life and the tree the knowledge of good and evil. So these first four chapters is a tale of those two trees because those two trees are going to decide everything. The two ways that we can walk will come from what Adam and Eve did about those two trees. So um, here again, the God. how does he choose to communicate with mankind? That's earthlings. You had, I thought about that somewhat and why God picked speech. He did, why, why didn't he just make some sign language or send us a text every now and then? He chooses to communicate to us through speech. And the whole Bible, I can tell you, is, you'll notice this as you read it, probably already have. It's all about agriculture, biology, and language, those three things. Why would God choose agriculture, biology, and language to communicate with the human race? Because there's nowhere on earth that there's not agriculture. There's plants of some kind everywhere. Even in Antarctica, you can find some kind of plant life. Biology, find that, and language. On rare occasions, God did communicate with people through visions and dreams and etc. He can use any method he wants. After all, he's the creator of the universe and he gets to make the rules. So he gets, he can use any method, but his primary way of communicating with us through speech is through agriculture. And we can see that, and once we really uh, grasp this, how God has made everything and the way it functions, it helps us to believe in though we've never seen him We know he's out there. To begin with, there are going to be three dimensions in this earth that God is going to create. Some people say four dimensions. The three dimensions would be plant life. Second dimension would be animal kingdom. Third dimension would be humankind. And if there's a fourth, it would be the heavens above and all all that's contained therein. So this first dimension... and, And also notice when God says that he created all of this, he does not do one thing to prove that he is who he is. We either believe it by looking at his creation, or we don't. He does not attempt to offer any proof of his existence. So I will not attempt to offer any proof either. I can only offer a way that he chooses to communicate with us. And because it's agricultural then we can really get a picture of it. The three dimensions are plant life, animal life, humankind. The first dimension is plant life. God created the grass. He created the plants, the flowers, the trees, the shrubs, everything that uh, mankind would need to sustain himself on this earth. It's through agriculture, and it's that first dimension. Now, the thing about the trees, the shrubs, the grass, the trees and all that, they grow straight up, and they don't move. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad if you uh, planted a garden, you wouldn't get up tomorrow, and it might be uh, down the road a piece? It's not ever going to happen. It's going to be immovable. Plant life comes in this comes through the the soil looking up to the sun s o n and s u n they all look everything looks up because from up above where the son of god is comes our rain and our sunshine and everything that's to sustain us so the plant life right there is one great example of we cannot live and be sustained without the creator For example, too, everything is going to have a seed in it to reproduce itself, and that's very good because what if you planted a tomato? Did you ever plant a tomato and say to yourself, I wonder what that's going to be when it uh, blooms this year? Last year it was a kumquat. You never know about those tomato plants. You don't know what they're going to turn out to be. They'll always be a tomato. Uh, never fail to be a tomato because of the way that God has created it with its own seed just like itself. So then that tomato seed has got in it. That little bitty tiny tomato seed has inside of it everything it takes to be another tomato. It will never be a kumquat. It will never be uh, daisies. You can count on that. So we, we thank the Creator because... He makes this kind of earth. Second dimension is animal life. The animals move around. The dogs, the cats, the cattle, the the sheep, the horses, all all of those things. And the difference between the animal kingdom and the plant life is the plant life, actually plant life technically doesn't die. It just withers away. The scripture says it just withers away. But, plant, but the animal kingdom has a soul just like you and me. And you know why that is? It's because you, you know that's true because it, animal life moves around. It's animated. You can name your dog something and call it by its name, and what will it do? It will, come, it will answer. It will come to you. It recognizes its own name. So this is a whole different level here, this animal kingdom. Um, Because it has a soul, it moves from side to side, jumps up and down, runs around. That soul in Hebrew is nefesh, meaning something that is animated. So that animal kingdom is animated. The plant life is not animated. Um, They tend to their own young. They take care of their own young. So uh, they're breathing creatures because the Genesis talks about uh, this particular group of breeze. It has a living soul in it, and it breathes that way. Uh, but like the um, plant life, it also has a seed in it. The animals carry a seed. So when their young is born, it's born to be just like. It's parents, like it's parents. So uh, unlike this lady who, uh, I think it was last week, uh, she got up when, uh, and told her she's a college student. Uh, that says a lot. <laughs> so she gets up in, in class and she tells her uh, professor that she's now uh, a hippopotamus. <laughs> she decided she's a hippopotamus. Now, uh, court, we know, thank goodness, that in God's creation, that ain't going to happen. The, the tomato's always going to be a tomato, and the dog's always going to be a dog. You know why? Because their DNA, that DNA is there. <coughs> and, but anyway, if she, if she wants to pretend she's a hippopotamus, well, uh, go girl, you go girl. But here's the thing. The plant life will always do what God designed them to do. They have no choice. The tomato has no choice but, but bring forth another tomato. No choice. The dogs and the cats and the cattle and the, and the sheep and all that have no choice but do what they're designed to do. Sometimes Dot, my sister Dot and I will fuss at our dogs for barking, and then we think we're designed to do it. They can't help it. They can't help it. So that's the way the first two dimensions are. They have no choice but do exactly what they're designed to do. Then, um, so that's really going to make a, a, a difference. But even though our animals are animated and they can answer to their name and they take care of their own young and they have a soul, you don't ever, ever have to worry about your dog taking your car keys and driving, driving off in your car. They, they can't go that far. The third dimension is humankind or mankind. And this comes by the end of the six days of God's creation. He waits till last to create mankind. And why do you think that is? This is not a test. It's just... Hmm? It's, any, any any answer you got is good. Because if he'd have had mankind there when he was making everything, can you imagine? Oh, God, that... You need to move that over that far, oh, that'll never work. I don't like the way that looks. You know how we are. they They would time, God would not get anything done right. Hmm? What was that? Probably, because we're worse. we're worse. <laughs> uh, uh it, that's probably true. But anyway, by the end of the sixth day of creation, God has made a... It says that he has made man in his own likeness and in his own image. Now, bear in mind that God is spirit and cannot be seen. So this image that God makes of Adam and Eve can't be seen. It's the same thing until God later on in chapter, I think it's chapter 2 here. uh, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So this part of us came out of the dirt. It is not like God in no way, shape, form, or fashion. Because God didn't come out of the dirt. He created the dirt. We came out of dirt. How how we take after God, our image of uh, being made like the image of God is that you cannot see the real me and I can't see the real you because it's in this building here called a tent sometimes, called a body sometimes. uh, It's been called a tabernacle. So that makes us unique, doesn't it? But guess what—we get to choose. Unlike the the, gra- the uh, first dimension or the second dimension, has no choice but do what God designs them to do. We have a choice, and guess what—we don't do too good, do we? Look at where the where we are today—it's ridiculous. It's un—it's just disturbing now to think that the human race is doing what it's doing because it w- we get to choose. and uh, but, w- w- but with choosing what we want to do, like, uh, I don't want to do that, God. I want to do this. We're taking on a lot of responsibility when we do that. But a lot of responsibility. But it was God's own design that we... The human race would have that choice. We can love God, we can obey God, but we don't have to. And it um, it, it just makes for a whole, whole different world. But anyway, um, excuse me a minute. I think this, uh, we have a lot of responsibility now because we get to choose which we want to do. And says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. On behalf of the women down here, who's that up there? Oh he's hiding his face. You don't have to do that. Uh we can say of us that we did not come out of the dirt. <laughs> that's the reason we're that's the reason we're pretty, yeah. Uh, in chapter two of Genesis it says, Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth and because there was no man to cultivate the earth, there was a period of time there that God did not call forth the grasses and the and the plants and the other uh probably the vegetables because it wasn't uh, he hadn't created man. See it took man to cultivate this and to take care of it. Why send rain to cause the plants to grow when there's not a single solitary human to tend to things and be nourished by these things. But God's smarter than we are. He has a plan. And in chapter 2, verse 7, it says the Lord had, that's where he formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So we came from, what did he say? We came from the earth and back to the ground we will go. But that would just be this. This unseen part of you is not going out there to uh, Elmwood Cemetery. It's not going there. The scripture says that the spirit, that person who's living inside this tabernacle, is going back to God who gave it. He will know where it's going to go. He, he, he will take care of that part. Um, God is not from the ground or soil. He created that, so he forms a body to house the soul and spirit of Adam and Eve, our first parents, he will form that body from the dust of the earth. It is not in the image of God. Because this, if this were in the image and likeness of God, it wouldn't go to the cemetery. I guarantee you it won't. Only because God has no part in death. That's not his, his way of doing things. Then we have this skin. It has uh, covering to it. That's part of what the house that we live in is, is to do, is to be as a covering for our body. Wouldn't you hate to be sitting next to somebody and they didn't have any skin and you had to look at their uh, intestines all evening? Maybe their liver. That's what it would be had God not done this. So you see, he has this great plan. So Evolution would never do this. Who could never do this, but God could do it. Uh, so thank goodness you're not sitting there tonight watch, looking at somebody's gallbladder. <laughs> hey, had you ever thought about it? Why you had the skin? Plants, birds, fish, animal and creeping things, and human beings will all have within themselves a physical seed to produce the next generation. The next generation will be the fruit, and the fruit will have seed in it to produce the next generation. Not one word is ever said in the scripture about us evolving. The creator repeats himself after their kind, after their kind. Vegetation, plants, trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. Mankind will have that seed as well. It will be a, but he will also have a second seed. It will be of a spiritual nature. And second, uh, just one moment here. The Lord God commanded the man saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So it's going to be the man's responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen, to keep out those undesirables. As uh, Hillary Clinton said, those deplorables. Keep them out of the garden. He had not been created at the time that God told Adam, Do not let anybody in this garden. Wonder why he spoke about that so adamantly. Don't let anybody in this garden. Wasn't there just the two of them on the earth at that time, you think? Well, we know from Scripture that there was Someone that was called a serpent that happened to be on the earth at the same time. The remainder of chapter 2 tells us that God makes a helper for Adam and that will be Eve. And in chapter 3, I, I, I would like to get into more about who that serpent was and why he was there. But if you read in the Isaiah, I think it's the 14th chapter, you'll get a... a a real good picture of who who was already out there and god has said to adam do not let anybody into this garden but of course adam did and it wasn't because Well, and then I, and then you know how eve talks to the serpent and and i hate to admit it but uh women have never stopped talking since then we just talk all the time and but at, but in eve's behalf she did not. Took, Adam told her what God said. Don't eat from that tree. And then he's he just standing there with his uh, finger in his mouth when, when she's talking to the serpent. He should have said, Don't, if you've got, you got anything to say to my wife, say it to me. But he didn't do it. He let her down. He let all of you down too. He let us all down because you know what happened after that. Uh, so Adam doesn't do his job. by He lets this guy in, so it will be downhill from here on. Now, that's a pattern for you. The cunning creature heads straight for Eve and starts a conversation with her. Isn't that odd that he didn't talk to Adam? See, that's the, the way Satan does in this life, uh, how he a lot of times splits up families. He'll talk to the woman, go around her husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But up until this point, the only commandment God has given to Adam and Eve is don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But of course, you know we have a problem with eating, don't we? Is anybody in here that doesn't have a problem with eating? He doesn't. Uh, you You can blame our first parents for that because God had said, don't eat. And they had to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But anyway... In Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve were clearly told what to eat, what not to eat. There were different trees in the Garden of Eden, only one specifically forbidden. And that's the one they chose. Don't we have trouble doing that? We have trouble in our with ourselves thanks to the, the Now remember, they passed on to the human race their tendency to disobey. And do, you, do we not have it? Is anybody in here where it's like, oh, I don't have a problem with that? I don't think so. We all have a problem with being uh, disobedient. or We want to do things our own way. And we try to go around what God wants us to do. So that they, they pass that on to us. They listen to another voice. They made their choice. Question for you. Would you have preferred that God had made us? Where we didn't have a choice but to obey. All things considered. Anybody? You don't know? (laughs) You got it. Yeah. What a mess. They're suffering, yeah. But that's not how God chose to do it. Somebody asked the question one time, why didn't he get rid of that tree? That tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's another place in the scripture, I'll let you just look that up for yourselves, where God's talking about trees, and he's, he, uh, it's the Lord himself, and he's saying he chose to let them grow up together. Remember the story of the tares and the wheat? And the uh, farmer wants to go out. He he gets up one morning and there's all these tears. and he says, "Well, I'll, I'll just pull them all up." And God says, "No, leave it alone, cause you will pull up the good, the wheat, the good stuff." And He said, "Let them grow on together. I'll take care of that someday. I'll I know how to separate them. You don't." So there, for that reason, it's it's a conversation starter or something you might want to just do for yourself sometime. And that's. Say, why did God leave that tree there? I personally think if, if he was going to let us choose, he wanted us to choose. If we're going to eat from the wrong tree, he'd want to know about it. Besides that, he's fixed a way for us not to have to do that. And if we do that, he's sent someone to take care of that. Because the penalty for that is, was death, to eat from that other tree. And mm-hmm. sure, what the Creator wants more than anything. Hey, as you, you, you parents here, do you prefer that your children love you? From their own, from their own will, or that you have to make them or have to buy it. Do you want to buy their love, or you'd rather have it come from their heart? Well, we get—I think—we get that from our heavenly Father. We don't want to have to buy, buy, our children's love. It's nothing like your child saying, "I love you, mommy," "I love you, daddy," and saying it themselves. The Father, heavenly Father, says the same thing to us. Choose to love me. It's like this. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile if you just love him. I appreciate y'all coming. And I'm um, thankful. God bless you. God bless you. Glad, glad to, to be here with you.